0: So so anyway, inauguration. Are
1: you excited to put inauguration? Well, the uh, I mean, I think the big news is that um, fascism has been defeated in America. Of course, right. Yes. Because what I really wanted to do is kind of like a like a message to the whole like kind of mega people now, because um, that's really, I think, the best word for who was there at the Capitol, this rampage at the Capitol.
0: Would you think it's fair to say I'm I'm saying I don't think anybody knows what the fuck was going on? Yeah. And that nobody really has a picture of the future. Right. There's just a bunch of grifters, or you know, you know, or there's, there's a bunch of people sort of trying to make this moment work for them, but they don't—they aren't necessarily committed to a, a vision of the future. They're either committed to some kind of idealized path, making America great again, mm-hmm. in the many ways that that might play out. Whether it's it's the people looking to return to some kind of idealized picture of the '50s, or it's the people trying to go back to the '1980s, or the people trying to, you know, so whether they can pull all the money out or whatever, or people trying to go back to the 90s and the aughts and the and the Obama years with Biden or whatever, right? Like, everybody seems to either want to go back to something or, um, or just sort of, like, exploit this for their own benefit, but not in particularly imaginative ways. But are you telling me that, in fact, if you pull back the curtain, there is somebody with a sort of finger on the pulse of what's going on and... And uh, is there a a man behind the curtain or a group of men behind the curtain? Is there a cabal, Zeke? Is that what you're trying to say? Well,
1: So, like, certainly it's not uh, the people in, like, the funny outfits who just went and kind of just exposed themselves to the national security state um, by rampaging through uh, a government building. Like, those people are not, directing their own kind of vision of the future in mm-hmm. fact they're acting a lot like uh they've been programmed i think we'll be able we'll be able to sort of look at mega and and the trump um election and campaign and uh and then just sort of the cast of characters around trump for the last four years and we'll be able to see that there is something there um that uh that isn't just an organic populist um uh, surge of of sentiment a political movement in, in a grassroots sense I think so one thing that you'll hear in right-wing conspiracy theories a lot is the idea of color revolutions do you know what I'm talking about here I really don't I've heard
0: I hear people talk about color revolutions but I don't know what that is
1: color revolutions are uh, basically the idea is um, and it always comes down to the same guy his name is George Soros he's a billionaire Billionaire leftists. So oh, yeah. But like, just, yeah. You know, so they don't even understand that that's a contradiction in terms, right? Yeah, that, no, that, that's. Okay. In fact, every leftist is a billionaire in this in this worldview. Um, okay. But uh, George Soros is a guy who has he, he founded something called the Open Society Foundation, and what the idea, what the conspiracy theory type idea around color revolutions is, is that the CIA and the Open Society uh, Foundation go into places like uh, Belarus or, you know, the Arab Spring, like Egypt, Bahrain, places like that. And they spot a situation where there's a bit of organic um, backlash against a a nationalist, strong government. And then they seed that that opposition full of foreign money, like uh, and aid and, and and intelligence, and then they activate this population to go and overthrow the government, and replace it with some kind of U.S. friendly, uh, like um, like faux democratic, you know, leftist government, right? Which then. Uh, uh, destroys the the integrity of like these kind of eastern european former like sort of russian satellite or or middle eastern dictatorships um the right wing uh hates this idea and like alex jones like from infowars or breitbart or they like the, this is where you'll get these kind of news stories is that you know it's never uh, a genuine uprising these are like
0: these are these are overthrowing. Um, Right-leaning nationalist, sort of um, old-school, basically fascist kinds of governments in favor of that are sort of like, like on the left we would call those uh, astroturfed, yeah, right. Yeah. So, but they, they they call them color, color revolutions.
1: Yeah, like, it's like the they, fake they,
0: grass. This is a fake revolution that's funded by billionaires yeah. for the interest of billionaires. Mm-hmm. Get So, no, like what we call a tea party.
1: Yeah, globalists, right? Like Alex Jones always uses that word, and the right-wing conspiracy nuts always use that word. Globalists. It's like you know they're not they're not capitalists because capitalism is good. They're globalists. They want to like control the world. That's what we say about the Tea Party. Like they're not a real. That's what we say about MAGA or whatever. They're not
0: really a grassroots group. They're you know, there might have been some grassroots people at the beginning, but now it's all funded by the Koch brothers and there's these think tanks that pump out the papers and. You know, then yeah. you just get there. I
1: mean, again, like the color revolution, if you kind of remove the conspiracy element of it, it's n- normally not that secretive and like it's all true. Like it does happen. Okay. That's what the CIA yeah. has been doing since, you know, before the Cold War. It, George Soros. Over- yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like this is how the United States conducts its foreign policy. Um, It's, there's nothing really left wing about it, but it's very like CIA ish. It's a very deep state, you know, it's like, the the sort of um, like grand internet like global grand strategy it involves like you know going in and rigging elections and then if that doesn't work you foment unrest and you kind of you know uh, bump someone off but so yeah anyway BLM was and Antifa are things that the right accuses of being an ongoing color revolution against Donald Trump's presidency right to remove his legitimate popularly supported uh mega regime from power and replace it with a globalist supported international capital regime of but joe biden exactly what's
0: happening.
1: yeah exactly right isn't this convincing okay. so like um okay so like and, and and that's that's the mega worldview and and it has come to pass essentially as you point out although That's not what happened with last summer's protests. I mean, that. No, yeah, uh, those
0: are those are those those are that that that's how
1: that's exactly how the narrative twists things, right? So, like, yes, it does seem like you know, probably this could be engine. Like, this is so beneficial for certain like outcomes that maybe this could have been engineered. So,
0: so okay, I I. So the thing that's true about all of this is that yes, the people that they say are winning are winning, but they were already winning. Like Donald Trump is is those
1: people too. So we were just saying that like uh the the kind of the the discord and the unrest and the you know civil violence and stuff in my estimation anyway uh it doesn't need to be created. I think there's enough like kind of conflict and and craziness going on organically that that you can have social movements pushing back against their governments but that doesn't mean that there can't be that there aren't uh extremely powerful like unseen forces that are able to manage those conflicts and manage uh like a a movement that is potentially there to, to 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 go and attack you know kind of conventional governments um the irony is that although that's the mega narrative in which the Democrats are complicit in that kind of stuff, and that the left is complicit in that, you can literally find billionaires who have uh, performed psyops and who have started whole companies to do psyops, who are all the entire list of people that um, basically supported, engineered, and and guided the Trump campaign into uh, its victory. Um, So we'll go through that, like those... Groups, those individuals and their companies now, and I hope that that just kind of is, uh, you know, fair proof that that MAGA is just as astroturfed and just as controlled by global billionaires as anything else. Um,
0: oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, I understand. That makes sense. So what we're doing is we're mapping out we're we're mapping out a counter narrative
1: yeah.
0: to the MAGA yeah. narrative. Okay.
1: Got so we're, what we're doing is we're saying it's not that George Soros and the Clintons aren't there doing their thing, but it's really stupid to support Trump instead, because I can literally point you to the people who are doing that with him, too. Um, yeah,
0: and like, you know, like, oh, man, now I kind of wish there was like, well, you know, like everybody's seen the photos of Clinton and and Trump hanging out in, you know, 2007 or whatever. Like,
1: they're all the same fucking people, aren't they? yeah i mean but trump is in in a way the least interesting one because if you look at the because he 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 really is a middle ground player like if you look at the the way that his campaign was engineered and the the money behind it and the companies that and what they do um you do kind of get a a picture of something that looks like a deep state but a right wing like a very like far right one not not like a not like a cia right wing but like an extremely right-wing one. Um, sorry. Okay. So the biggest name then that people I'm sure recognize in association with Trump and his campaign, uh, not the biggest name overall, his entire career, but but certainly you'll you'll know this name is Steve Bannon, right?
0: Absolutely. Right smack
1: dab in the center of your map here. Yeah. Steve, so Bannon, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is very key to this. Um, one thing just to to kick things off, he's a former, global, former Goldman Sachs executive. So not a uh, working class background. Um, right. What's Goldman Sachs? The, bank, the, the bank that kind of like is the biggest one and kind of like, like uh, got bailed out after 2008 and right. had a bunch of uh, kind of like former executives as head of the treasury and all that stuff. Like,
0: they're uh, the fucking bad guys. Like even if you're MAGA, they're the fucking bad guys. Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you should not overlook the fact that that Steve Bannon worked at Goldman Sachs in an important capacity. And just a note on Steve Bannon for like where he is at right now, right? Steve Bannon got fired by by the White House like in the first year, fairly early on, but he uh, he didn't go away, and he he always supported Trump and and the mega regime, and. His current project is a podcast called uh, uh, War Room Pandemic. War Room Pandemic is a literally a weekly update on why China is responsible for everything oh, evil man. in the
0: world. Hi, hang on a
1: second. I
0: am going to add this to my weekly uselessness. War Room Pandemic.
1: No, I, I couldn't. I don't think I. I don't think I could listen to it. I mean, I've heard snippets and stuff. Um, it's very kind of neocon. It's very war, war drummish. Um, there's also, it's worth noting right now, um, uh, there's a government org that occasionally comes up in the United States called the Committee on the Present Danger. Right now it's called the Committee on the Present Danger, China. And it's basically- it, it, The Committee on the Present Danger? Yeah. So they, they, they've created a committee on the present danger several times over the years. It's basically bringing together former military, former senators and congressmen, think tank people, academics, and they're planning basically the next huge conflict. So like, I, I don't know if they ever had one for Iran, but that's basically what the PNAC would have been. But um, the current, like, you know, so... There was one on the Soviet Union. There was one, I think, on Vietnam, probably. I'm not sure how many, which ones there were. But but it goes back, right? It goes back into, you know, historical uh, conflicts that the United States has had. And basically, it's to, to drum up, like, the kind of, I don't know, what do you call it? Intellectual and uh, sort of network behind uh, a war that they want to have, right, with China. Okay, so
0: Bennett, ba- so member of the deep state, is that what you're saying? Like, he, he's connected to these, these think tanks that are just aimed at drumming up the next conflict that'll be used to justify exorbitant spending on bombs and shit that'll then, you know, be used to to, to flatten things and then we'll send in companies to go and get oil and build I don't know whatever it is they build over there and 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 just extract all the all the excess money that they can. This, this is what you're saying. Is, is Bannon is is, is tied into that establishment? Is that what you're saying?
1: Nope that that whole side of of Trump's base that was supposed to be anti-war libertarian you know uh, in during his campaign Trump said the war in Iraq was the the biggest mistake ever the bushes were idiots they they all got played because they shouldn't have been going to war you know that's it, th- yeah th- this is what this is what bannon's about is, is is starting a war with the like the least beatable uh enemy in the world um so steve bannon uh most famous for uh being uh, I, I don't know whether he was ceo or whatever he was a breitbart which was a, a very uh reactionary okay, so we're, moving.
0: we're moving on the map now we're doing yeah, mo- Breitbart. That okay. what's happening
1: yep mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. okay so tell me about breitbart please.
1: uh breitbart i mean beyond that i don't know too much i don't read it but it, it's it's like it was founded by a guy named andrew breitbart who was a big culture wars right-wing guy um I guess probably in the 80s or 90s. I'm not sure how far back it goes. If you go to the website now, you'll probably see um, a bunch of stuff about stolen elections, uh, you know, black crime, how China's bad. I've
0: Breitbart being the thing that like my students would talk about like five years ago. But I haven't, I haven't heard about Breitbart so much lately. But it, it seems he sort of used to be the kind of propaganda wing of
1: of, of the, the the weirder right right the more intense right like you know they like the like milo yiannopoulos the kind of alt-right or yeah, alt-right like guy, that's right you know yeah. he came from there ben shapiro used to work there yeah. Um, they basically you know they love israel and they love war in the middle east um okay. they they hate black people and they they think they should all go to jail um uh, I'm not sure what their other points are, but like that's it, really. That's that's the kind of thing you're talking. It's, it's it's not like highbrow think tank right wing stuff. It's it's culture war stuff. It's like getting the rubes riled up stuff, right? So Bannon was um, uh, basically the successor to Andrew Breitbart himself, to you know steering this this media company, media company which was owned. We're moving along the map now. Keep up. Um, yeah. By, the, by Robert Mercer and the Mercer family
0: Robert Mercer and the Mercers Okay, so Breitbart was a Similar to the way that Fox News is famously owned by the Murdochs You're saying Breitbart is the sort of mouthpiece of the Mercers Is that what you're trying to say here,
1: Z? Yeah, the Mercers are are, are not involved in the operations of Breitbart as, as sort of members of the you know the content uh, production sorry. or anything they're the owners. They're the, they're the money behind it. You don't own a, a, a media company that that uh, does not advance your interests. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And yeah. and their interests are not simply, you know, we don't we don't just get to that conclusion circumstantially. Um, the Mercers have a, a foundation that funds all kinds of stuff in the U.S. They they, they paired with the um, Koch brothers for a while. Um, but they turned out to be uh, further, uh, right than the Kochs. So they, they haven't really collaborated as much with the Koch brothers. Um, and I think they're, most of the Kochs are dead now, but, um, they're, they're less kind of purely libertarian and sort of neoliberal, uh, and more kind of, um, like, like, uh, kill the Palestinians, I guess. Like they, they, they seem to really like, uh, Israel and, um, uh, and and like so Pompeo for example would they just have like
0: would it be fair to say that the mercers have an ideology separate from their economic interest or or like you know the Kochs like they're not, they don't really believe that libertarian stuff I don't think they just believe it because they have billions of dollars and they don't want to give it a you know like it, it's purely yeah. like it, it's a cynical kind of adoption of an ideology they don't they don't really give a shit about people's rights, you
1: know. Fair enough, but, but uh, I mean, they care their own. I mean, fair enough, but libertarianism is a pretty bad ideology. Like it's got like a lot of things that Cretanist capitalists, you know, don't have any problem being aligned with. So so I think that there is sort of a compatibility there. Um, and I, I do think that like it does two things. It, it serves their interests and it sort of aggrandizes the things that they think are true. Um, for the Mercers, they seem to be so. A little background on Mercer, Robert Mercer himself. He uh, he's an algorithm guy. So he Ooh, worked for I, he worked for IBM, where he okay. uh, you know is credited with with coming up with something smart that I don't understand. And uh, and then he moved on from there, and he um, got a job. Uh, at a hedge fund called Renaissance or something like that, okay, and, he, yeah, and he he called something like that. He basically uh, invented um, the type of predictive computing that is now standard use at at hedge funds. So he he created like something in terms of words that I don't understand that now everybody uses to make money, right? On okay. Um then he went he's out. Bloomberg, Bloomberg. Well, Bloomberg yeah, cool. made a terminal didn't he but no this yeah. is like He was like more of a back end guy he's not very flashy he, you know he doesn't like he wrote a line of code, code. Yeah okay. cool. it was he was writing code Um what did he do then yeah then he went off on his own he started the founders fund no that's not him he started the mercer fund he's he's a head fund hedge fund guy himself now and uh you know he's just rolling in money um his uh daughters and stuff got involved in some of the companies that he owns but that's kind of it for mercer i mean you know he's he's extremely right wing he's he's extremely um uh, you know war hawkish in the middle east um he's further right than the Kochs in terms of like ideology um and they've funded like a ton of astroturf type shit in the us as well but what's important here is Steve Bannon and uh Robert Mercer in 2000 shit I don't know when uh 13 they started they founded Cambridge Analytica No which, shit, eh? Yeah. Which it, okay. it, it's famous uh because it it got caught rigging the election in 2016. Was it lawsuits or criminals? Like, what was the deal there? I yeah, remember this, this from not this. that long ago.
0: What was the deal with Cambridge Analytica
1: and them being in the news and talking about
0: Russians and bad
1: stuff? So apparently they uh, bought a bunch of people's data from Facebook and okay. then used it to uh, persuade people to vote for Trump or to believe that things like Hillary Clinton's emails were really bad. Or, okay, um, can I ask you a question about this? Mm-hmm.
0: Did the Trump campaign, like, sort of hire Cambridge Analytica to do this? Is That how this worked?
1: Well, yes, because that's what Cambridge Analytica does. That is right. what they're so, there for—is basically to engineer elections, right? That's not. Well, so you're calling it engineering elections?
0: They probably call it running a campaign or something, right?
1: Uh, it's not It's not really that far off from what they call it, honestly. Um, so interesting thing about Cambridge Analytica, its parent company, SCL Group, is uh, a British company that's existed a lot longer. Um, they uh, are what's co- so SCL oh shit, what's it mean? Something communications laboratories. And they're called like a behavior engineering type of firm. And uh, like uh, they're right out on the surface saying basically like that, that they can get to, people to do, they profile people want. and they manipulate their behavior. Right. And they do it for elections. And that's what Cambridge Analytica was there to do. It, um, I don't think it was Cambridge Analytica. Maybe it was, but it was, I think it was another branch of SCL that, that, that did a lo- a lot of the same stuff for the Brexit, um, referendum, uh, working uh. with working for like the leave or sorry, the, uh, yeah, the leave.uk or, you know, all these different kind of shits that happen out there. Um, SCL group uh, used to be called the private MI5 or MI6, whichever is the real one. Um, so basically they are an intelligent, a private intelligence company that uses, uh, that has moved into using data in order to um, uh, influence uh Things for their clients which are generally campaigning politicians and it's funny if you look on their Wikipedia it's mostly places like uh, like St. Vincent's or like Trinidad and Tobago like it's not like they they really shot for the moon in 2016 because they got involved with uh, way bigger profile things than they'd been doing in the past although Duterte was another one of their clients Um, so okay that's interesting.
0: So, I mean, that's just characteristic like I think Well, you know, I don't I don't think we need to get too far down this, this uh sort of thing I to open up. But it's like like if there was something that was interesting about the Trump campaign or something, like it's all these marginal figures in this big picture that you're you're painting here of globalists and and basically the interests of, of, of the establishment. That end up getting a shot in the Trump campaign because they're cheap. So like Cambridge Analytica or whatever was like the wing of this big fancy group that dealt with like piddly shit in off in the colonies, you know?
1: Um, well until they got involved out. with Mercer.
0: Oh, until they got involved with Mercer. Yeah, I thought Cambridge, Mer-
1: okay. Cambridge Analytica is the offshoot that Mercer founded, um, incorporated under SCL Group and and the, and Mercer's not small fry and you know Cambridge Analytica sort of out of nowhere starts taking on these major world shaking uh events right
0: like like you mean like literally
1: Trump and Brexit Trump Brexit even Duterte I think it's a pretty big one um you know presidential like w- when I'm talking about Trinidad and Tobago I'm talking about like the treasury minister like I'm not I, talking about the presidential campaign of, of Trinidad and Tobago I'm talking about something that you'll never hear about Uh, Anyway, so what we're talking about there is a, you know, a billionaire hedge fund manager who literally has uh, started up a uh, behavioral data manipulating election rigging company and used it uh, to further the first candidate that has ever really espoused the same ideology as his own media company, Breitbart. So it's like, it's not... It's not really uh, a stretch to say that there's like, you know, somebody with more power and who understands the impact of uh, media and it's and, like sort of narratives and stuff is kind of sticking his hand in here and engineering things. Um, but we'll go on because it doesn't end there, really. Um, Why don't we quickly see how our old buddy Peter Thiel is tied into all of
0: this? So how, how is he connected into this whole big picture?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is is tying Peter Thiel to Cambridge Analytica is more of a reach than some of these other things. I mean, he's not uh, on the record actually working uh, with, you know, some of these figures directly. But Peter Thiel's Founders Fund uh, is, is what, like, if you've ever seen the social network, the movie, it's what got Facebook over the hump to become a company. Like he, he invested in Facebook and he currently sits on like the board of directors or something. He's a Facebook. His money manager. comes from PayPal, right? That's right, yeah. Peter Thiel is, is a- Him and Elon a, Musk or the him, PayPal dude. Him and Elon Musk, they're the PayPal mafia. They, they um, you know, they branched out. I don't think they've worked together ever since, but they're they're two kind of Silicon Valley guys. And Peter Thiel uh, has gone his own direction. Um one of the things he's done, probably the most famous things he's done is invested in Facebook, which has been a big big paycheck for him. Um but like kind of the most sinister thing about him is that his, he he owns uh, his company Palantir is essentially um it does all of the surveillance, like not all of it, but like it is the company that, that handles surveillance for many um uh, of the state uh agencies like the CIA, the NSA, Ice. They have contracts with Palantir, and Palantir is reading your mail. It's you know tracking your movements, and nobody really knows how what to what extent Palantir is able to sort of spy on people. The way that the intelligence state has gone has been that, much like the army, a lot of things or the military, a lot of things are done by contractors by companies, private companies, and Palantir for the most part is that company. They recently sued the Pentagon because they couldn't get a contract and they won the deal, they won the lawsuit. So now they got that contract because it was bigger than any private contract that the Pentagon was able to lease out. I think it was the Pentagon, but some fucking crazy thing. So that's Palantir, that's Peter Thiel. And um, the connection to Cambridge Analytica is that Cambridge Analytica, as I mentioned before, used Facebook's data to, uh, to to influence people uh, in this sort of election, right, in in the 2016 Trump Trump campaign. Oh,
0: that is a pretty weak connection.
1: <laughs> you think that's a weak connection? Okay. Huh? No,
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, it's a connection. Yeah, they use Facebook data.
1: Yeah, they use Facebook the data. Facebook. Okay, I so, got gotcha. you. okay, so let, let let me let me let uh, me sweeten the. Sweeten it, whatever it is, a little bit more. Sweeten the pot here. Get a so, little Charlie uh, Day. Let me sweeten the pot a little bit for Back. you. Let me see, if, okay. let me see how, how this makes you feel. Okay, so the whistleblower, uh, uh, Wiley Christopher Wiley, who who kind of uh, exposed Cambridge Analytica for what it had been doing, uh, he was he worked there. Um, he uh, essentially said that there was uh, some off the books connections between Pal- Palantir and Cambridge Analytica that Palantir consultants were coming over and that it was actually at the advice of a Palantir consultant that they designed an app uh, to survey people on Facebook I think it was on Facebook or it might have just been directly f- from the campaign and then harvest that information which is what they primarily used um, for gathering data but that's something that Palantir denies right so it's 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 not like this is connected, like kind of um, by who's on what board of directors, but there's allegations here that came out, and Christopher w- Wiley testified in front of like a Senate hearing or something. Like it's a pretty big, you know, high-profile right, testimony.
0: Okay, that that's better. That's better. So the point the point is though, right? Uh, supposedly we've got this renegade campaign, the MAGA people, the 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 Trump people and and I think you you you've pretty competently more or less right tied this into the national security state through Palaer right that Cambridge analytica the same company is used by the Trump campaign and apparently they have some kind of shadowy backroom deal with this weird national security contracting group is that is that sort of the point here
1: yeah so like if you just like got Billy clubbed for Trump because you believe the election was stolen from you, from him on Capitol Hill last week.
0: Yeah,
1: um, it's a pretty uh, like my my, uh, my my statement to you is it's a pretty odd populist uh, grassroots movement that has not one but two massive companies funded by billionaires. <laughs> whose entire okay, yeah, purpose is engineering elections and psychological operations. All right, all right, yeah. Oh, no, okay. I, I think you're off something <laughs> there. Okay. All right, all right. That's very good. Very good. That's not the only okay. one. That's not the only direction this goes, because there's a, a guy named Eric Prince, who I know, like, you've heard of, um, another fantastically wealthy guy. Do you remember where his name first came into the news? Do you remember what it was? So I...
0: I know about Eric Prince because he. because of the Iraq War, the second, the bad one.
1: Yeah. The, the W. Bush uh, White House did something kind of new, or not new, but escalated beyond any previous era with the military during the Iraq War, which was th- instead of sending conscripted American troops or, you know, like the American army in to do a lot of the operations, they. Uh, hired uh, security contractors to uh, go out and roam around and blow shit up and murder people, uh, and um, and basically. Yeah, what were they
0: called? There was the a name for that.
1: Oh yes, group. Right? Eric Prince had founded this company called Blackwater.
0: Blackwater. Yeah. that's right. Which is like the most terrifying thing
1: I can think of. Blackwater. Anyway, but um, go on. Uh, There was a massacre. It was was in Baghdad. I forget the name of the square. Nazur Square, I think it's something like that. This has been in the news recently too, hasn't it? Well, Trump just pardoned the four Blackwater operatives uh, who have basically been on trial since then. It's been like 16 years. Um,
0: What
1: did they do? uh, They killed a fuck ton of people in Iraq who were just like randomly standing there in, in a public square. They, they rolled in uh, against orders from the green zone and uh, they were armed with a bunch of shit that wasn't regulation. And they unleashed it into a bunch of cars and right. bystanders and, and so on. And they just, you know, murdered a, lo- a lot of Iraqis. And uh, they weren't, I mean, it wasn't like that happened every day, but they, they weren't that big of a of a, uh Difference from regular Blackwater operations, and of course, Blackwater is not the only one of these contractors. Um, but uh, before the second Gulf War, they were a fairly small part of U.S. operations overseas. It seems like, and and at the point, at this point right now, um, you know, they far outstrip actual U.S. Army.
0: Yeah, you know, there's there's that pretty good podcast about that uh, blowback, is it called blowback, right? Yeah. And, and like that one's really interesting because it, it does sort of show that like what went on in the Second World War or Iraq War was this uh, you know, neoliberal neo- impulse to privatize everything. Like they literally tried to privatize war and they did it as cheaply as they could. And and the big beneficiary of that was this sort of startup that basically hired ex-soldiers and then you know paid them differently and had them subject to different rules and then go in and do things cheaper than the army could and and blah 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 right the same sort of neoliberal that says like let's let's sell the post office so that my friend can make a bunch of money in Mm -hmm. other words the thing that happens among a bunch of rich people who you know don't have the interest of ordinary people at heart in back rooms and shit right yep that what you're trying to say here Zeke yeah so there's a global elite if you will uh occupied with the you know uh Creation or uh, exploiting everything for profit, uh, including uh, the national affairs of this country, um, and uh, and there's this fellow Eric Prince, and he seems to have been an important figure in this. Yes.
1: Well, it's funny that you so
0: are you telling me, Zeke, that this person is somehow connected to Donald Trump and the MAGA campaign.
1: Oh, you would. Uh, yeah, you'd you'd be surprised to know. I'm sure. Not only was uh, Eric Prince uh, connected in the whole RussiaGate crap, where he apparently introduced somebody to one of Trump's campaign managers, some kind of Russian informant, um, but the uh, this is where the map that I've constructed in my insanity becomes useful because this is there's there's really just one connection that tells it all, and that is that after Cambridge Analytica got kind of um, slapped down because it got ex- like everybody kind of knew what it had done um it, it uh, several of the top board members at cambridge analytica and at scl group uh founded a new company uh emmerdata and and yes still still in existence essentially it uh, it's um it, it, it's descript, business description is, is the same as Cambridge Analytica. It's a, an, you know, behavior analysis and election engineering company. Um, on the board of that is a Blackwater board member named uh, Johnson who Ko, who uh, is a longtime Eric Prince affiliate. His first and, name is Johnson? Yeah, I think it's like an anglicization of Chongchong. But oh. that's what his okay. name is. So, yeah. That makes far more sense. Mr. Co. Mr. Coe. I don't know <laughs> yeah. really anything about him, but he goes way back with Blackwater and he goes way back with Eric Prince and he is now linked into the same company that all of these um, guys. We didn't really mention who the SEL group guys are, but there's a couple of British guys and then there's the Mercers. And so sitting on the board of um, Cambridge or of uh, Emmerdata is this guy, Mr. Coe, and two of Mercer's daughters. Um so eric prince as far as he's now connected to trump i mean there was that one news story that was kind of thrown out there where he was proposing that he should be the viceroy of afghanistan and trump was thinking man this sounds good um never That's happened okay. yeah we haven't had a viceroy in the uh, history of the united states of america let's see that um see that goes. yeah uh, right. that kind of like kind of was dust in the wind that never nothing came of that um his company, they got rid of Blackwater um, and his uh, kind of security outfit now is called something like uh, Frontier Services. They do a lot of of work for the Chinese government um, in the Wait a minute. Wait, hold the phone here. They work Mm -hmm. for the Chinese government? Yeah. Big surprise, right? Wouldn't you know that it's global uh, super interest uh, (laughs) working together. It's shocking. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, I, that is kind of surprising. But yeah, go on. Well, I mean, I China is be. kind of barreling its way through Central Asia building uh belts and roads apparently, and uh they need someone to protect their their, their investments there and Frontier Services um has been a a major contractor that that, that There that you started. go. Okay.
0: All right.
1: So, you know, Prince has gone beyond being a a, a patriotic mercenary. He's uh he's a mercenary he's a mercenary just a mercenary yeah um Got it. well he's not he well his he's, company is like, yeah. well, elon musk of mercenaries
0: he'll yeah. take credit for it exactly. yeah okay well I know,
1: he's uh, like a former like green beret or something but but not anymore um okay. but that doesn't stop um eric prince from having you know connections in within deep like very close connections to the tops of the you know u.s government MAGA, the ultimate populist, uh, you know, libertarian, self-nationalist, self, uh, patriot, whatever uh, movement, um, yeah, I mean, elected, uh, elected Donald Trump. And Donald Trump appointed um, Betsy DeVos, Eric uh, Prince's oh, yeah, sister, yeah. uh, to his cabinet uh, for education. Um, and uh, she did a wonderful job. Bang up. Well, she's spent her entire life pushing for deregulation of the public school system so that charter schools can take over some of that slack. She's a charter school diva of some kind. She wants to create more space for charter schools. So her whole goal um, in this in this position was basically to privatize education. Um, but. Uh, what I find the most interesting about this is like Trump's, especially like the first few years of Trump's, um, you know, administration was just shakeup after shakeup of cabinet members. Like people would betray. Yeah, she lasted the whole fucking time, didn't she? That's she lasted until point. like like last week. She only, yeah. only she's gone now is she quit because of the thing on Capitol Hill. So Betsy DeVos was in the Trump administration for four years. That's Eric prince's true. sister. And it's and it's a rare move. Like
0: that guy, the fucking the National Parks guy didn't last that long.
1: Like Well, like look how quick it, Jim Madison. Well, so yeah. Like, you know, all of these like top generals like got the boot. Um, you know, all these people who are like long term long time like deep state CIA, masterminds and everything, they're all gone. But he didn't touch Betsy DeVos's position. Um so I think no, Eh? Well,
0: you think? Well, you were about to tell me why, and I just
1: asked why. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it shows. It just speaks to the influence that um, that that her and uh, Eric Prince and their network have over um, over you know who who Trump uh, or what Trump is doing and and I think or has been doing. And you. So I was gonna kind of also point out. You mentioned um, that Blackwater was kind of like a startup. Uh, when they, they started to get contracts and more, more and more contracts during the uh, war in Iraq. Uh, but it's a bit of, that would be a bit of a misleading way to put it because the Prince organization uh, goes way back. Um, they were, uh, and so Eric Prince's father was a huge Republican donor uh, going back to Reagan. He was like a fundamentalist Christian and one of those moral majority types who uh, put dumped a lot of money and influence into the Republican party when they went kind of evangelical. Um, they, and he sort of, uh, I, I forget kind of everything I've read about his father, but, um, his sister there, uh, married into the DeVos family and the DeVos family is another major Reagan era Republican donor, very far right. They're, um, their family made their money off of amway the like peer like the uh, kind of like uh, multi-level marketing thing um it's kind of like selling people tupperware in their basements and stuff like that um they're extremely like they're basically arch capitalist right wingers they're trying to turn america into a multi-level marketing scheme with every possible uh, avenue they have so basically what you have is betsy devos in the same way she's trying to private privatize education eric prince has for 30 years, been trying to privatize military operations, and is now moving into intelligence, um, as we can see with Emmer data, uh, surveillance, and so on. Um, Peter Thiel has been privatizing CIA, NSA, Pentagon, and um, the Mercers and, you know, Steve Bannon have been privatizing the kind of dissemination of ideology um, and the control over populations in order to get them to vote for you. So basically the same thing that propaganda used to be done in-house is now being done obviously on the internet. Uh, So all of these major um, supporters of MAGA are in fact um, uh, politically engineering a very similar agenda which is basically the privatization of various things usually associated with the state, the biggest things associated with the state really, military intelligence i mean that's like the last one left really
0: mm-hmm.
1: exactly oh, yeah. the, the yeah. only keynesian e- economy left is is the u.s military and uh, you know that's what they're targeting uh, it's suspicious to me that a anti-war president like donald trump uh would appeal to these people that a populist like you know, untouchable and like integrity guy like Donald Trump, who only has America's patriotic interest at heart would be influenced by these people or bring them into his circle and give them cabinet positions, offer them huge contracts. Peter Thiel, by the way, uh, just rolling in, um, CIA and Pentagon contracts at this point. So, um, that's my. I guess that's the. That's the summary right there. I think we're. I think we've made it through the map. Think we did it. There has been a color revolution going on, and it's not really very left wing. It's, uh, it's. It's. It's arch capitalist and very kind of easy to spot. Like it's. It's not. None of this stuff is really shocking. I mean, you do have to read who works where and crap like that, but you know it's i didn't come to any conclusions that i didn't think i would it's just Yeah, this
0: looks like um it looks like uh for an interested guy it take about uh 25 minutes in the wikipedia to do this
1: oh yeah most of it's most of it's there on wikipedia um some of it's there like you know the new york times uh was one that i went a little deeper into just to see like the Palantir and and Cambridge Analytica connection, this stuff is like, you're supposed to know this stuff, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, it's not supposed to be like that. It's not, it's actually not a conspiracy theory. It has to be deeper than this to be a conspiracy theory. It's just the obvious point that ever since the mid-1970s, the government has been selling its assets off to private companies. And at this point, that means the military... And the CIA as well. And now they're controlling elections, just like the CIA always did in other countries. They're doing it in Britain and in the U.S. And uh, the sort of some culmination of this is um, when one of these social experiments that they're using to profit off of kind of wanders off the farm and they lose interest in it, and then a bunch of people go and do something stupid. They can still, you know, they have, they're not, I'm not saying that there's any reason for them to want those people to storm the Capitol, but they certainly are in a position to benefit from it now. They're going to sell so many surveillance contracts or, 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 you know, win them uh, to spy on right-wingers. That's
0: the a neat point. That, that last one you just, you just said I hadn't really considered is that they've now constructed an entire conspiracy theory to now spy on. Oh, yeah. Fucking hilarious. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And terrifying. But that's, you know, like, um, when we were talking at the beginning about, you know, what was really going to change, and like, it really does seem like we're going to get a new Patriot Act that's going to allow even more spy (laughs) on the American populace and even more classification of you know your emails was criminal uh and so yeah of course there's, there's, there's going to be contracts for that and so like you know like that's that's incredible like that yeah. that, that, that that would sort of work out in their favor i mean that's that's again it's getting a little bit too tinfoil hatty to think that that mm-hmm. was their plan all along but it's certainly going to benefit them
1: i think it's just their position to benefit pretty much from any outcome like yeah i don't think it really matters what what happens? They've they've basically they've influenced enough things that it's going in certain directions and the, and they're planning for those. I mean, it's not they as in one big group. It's it's actually pretty dispersed, but they have connections to one another at least in situations like this. When it comes to like oh this this kind of, this whole Trump presidency kind of looks like an operation, and you can kind of see the players there. Um, there was another point that maybe we can't bother with um, because it's too much. What do you think? Should we talk for 10 more minutes or should we kind of just wrap it up?
0: Hey, we can wrap it up now. We can, but uh, what's your point? What do you got? Um, uh,
1: I was, I mentioned to you the other day, the Adam Curtis movie, Hyper Normalization. You've seen some of it or none of it or. I watched it last night because it oh, was, okay. because we were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a central point of his, like, it's sort of, so Adam Curtis, for those who don't know, British documentary kind of filmmaker, and he talks in this very we distinctive way. We should do an episode of Adam Curtis sometime. We definitely should. He's fucking great. But he talks in this very distinctive way, and uh, he, his his films are kind of like essays, video essays. And so this thing that he does... This part of his thesis in, in hyper normalization is he says this thing that he's probably said in a dozen other movies, which is like, and then a strange thing happened. The the politicians stopped seeing their job as offering people an optimistic view of the future. And instead, they just started to manage the reality that there was. Right. So like that's kind of how he's describing sort of this turn towards neoliberalism and like kind of market driven uh governance that that we've seen in our lifetimes right um is that there's no like big ideological like communism or whatever it's it's just kind of our leaders are like boardroom managers they kind of handle stuff quietly and and just balance the books and i think like you could get and, and so hyper normalization is basically about the trump campaign although it came out in 2016 so he was very like like right on the on the ball with it But he talks about um, Trump being sort of the culmination of this thing where instead of um, offering people a a political vision for the future, um, what we're getting is kind of like management of perception and management of how we uh, experience the world. And, you know, with the goal in mind of just kind of keeping – Uh, friction and disturbance to a minimum, kind of keeping things balanced. Um, I think, like, another strange thing has happened now, right? I think that, like, that job has now been privatized to people who are not really interested in maintaining the balance. Really, what they profit from is the actual disturbances. So a funny thing has happened. The politicians then, after realizing that they're just managers, they outsourced it to management companies. And those management companies are now... Uh, finding ways to encourage and profit from, uh, you know, civil violence, and this is what exactly the impression you get anytime anything major happens anymore. Right, is that you live in a world where the state cannot or does not want to help you, and that your political movements will always be frustrated and squashed. So we saw that with, um, we saw that with basically that's what Mega is a response to. They where they saw you know their livelihoods being squashed by uh, a feckless Obama government. But like let's look at the last few major world events we've seen. Coronavirus um, was just sort of bungled in the Western world or the global North Re- We saw you know misinformation. We see poor poor rollouts, bad scheduling, lack of equipment, nobody knowing what to do. It's basically just diminishing our uh, belief in any type of government authority the i sort of took the early outset of the george floyd reaction to be the same thing it was the correct assessment of black lives matter leaning uh activists and just people who were just i guess black people in american cities to uh not try to negotiate with the government or impress the importance of their 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 interest on the government but just to say well look if you're never going to help us we don't have to listen to you. We're going to burn this police station down. We're going to fight cops in the streets. Eventually it turned into more of a programmatic movement, but at first it was like outbursts of of basically frustration that you're working with a government that is either not interested or incapable of delivering justice for people uh, who are in police communities. Um, And, uh, and then of course, like the, the stop the steal thing is the same thing. Just the belief that, the government is incapable of delivering a fair election. Um, every major event that we get is just like, it It just reinforces the idea. Oh, and the other one was like uh, the big sort of movement behind Bernie Sanders, which got a lot of like kind of I didn't get it. buy-in from people and a lot of people investing their own time and energy into it basically just fizzled and went up in smoke because the powers that be decided they didn't have any space for that. So you can organize, you can try and influence um, uh, the government and make it do something, it won't. You can lash out, but you can't uh, impact it. And that leads you to believe you live in, a, and, and then if a crisis happens like coronavirus, the government's just gonna drop the ball. So it leads you to believe you're in a world where there's nobody really in charge that can do much about it. If Yeah, and then nothing uh,
0: will ever change, and it'll always just sort of be mediocre and shitty. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have any expectations that the government will actually be able to help you and and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, it's managing the perception of reality. And,
1: and, uh, yeah, so go on. Well, what's a better argument for privatizing major government, like, sort of... uh, Facilities. What's what's a better argument for privatizing the military or privatizing the healthcare, like uh, the you know the WHO no, or it something me, like that?
0: It seems to me like the thing
1: that you've been saying is that,
0: and actually we don't have to
1: make the arguments
0: because we just manage manage the expectations that yeah that, exactly. uh, that's just what's gonna happen and then it happens.
1: Yeah, like if if you if you've lived through a world in which um, the police are run by corrupt governments, the healthcare system is incapable of protecting anybody the military is incompetent unless it's filled with um contractors are you going to put up any kind of fight when some company just steps in and say no i do this now like you know you don't vote on what we do in you know the education system we just implement it and you decide whether to buy or not right i mean that
0: sounds very familiar so yeah Yeah. that that is that is reality right like that's Yeah. uh, yeah
1: so this 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 heightened sense that everything is fucked up and that everything's sliding out control, I think is like it's not wrong, but it's also like a way it's like a sales tactic, I guess um and it's being managed like when when they when the the control over how those institutions react to issues in the real world is all in the hands of like networks of rich oligarchs. Yeah, it does seem like we don't really need the institutions that much. They are pretty fucked up. But, you know, uh, yeah, that's that that, it's not just accidental. It's not just like the way things are. It's not just that the free market's better. This is kind of being being put in the hands of people whose interest it is to see those outcomes happen. Um, So there's mega for you. Like, like, look, you're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know. Charge the capital, do that, whatever fuck you want. Like, that's your um, response to it. But you're not accurate about like your hero there, the guy that you think is like gonna save you from all this. Just Wikipedia. You're one of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well. So it's inauguration day.
0: It's inauguration day. No more bad man. Okay.